the web's Michael Smith. It's episode 68 of the Canes cast. You know what that means? What's that? We're in California and neither of us have a suntan. Well, I think we get a pass. It is December. Yeah, it is a little chilly. Kind of chilly out. It's actually chilly here in California. Yeah, we've been told warmer in Raleigh than it is oh, here really? in California. Yes, oh, really? Oh, we're missing out. Oh, I know. But here we are. It's a bit uh, breezy off the ocean. Yes, it is. We are coming to you from Kane's practice at the uh, Sports Center. I'm Toyota's. Not oh, you're, oh. you're going to give the plug. Okay, good for you. Toyota Sorry. Sports Center. <laughs> Was we're say, we're I mean, still accepting sponsors. Well, by I know, the way. but I don't want to give it away if that's we're just going to say it. Yeah, that's All that's right. a good point. All right, let's get to it, Michael Smith. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people are going to be paying attention to for the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, one has been the goaltending, which seems to have been shored up a little bit for this team. As Peter Morazic had an outstanding performance. The only problem is the Canes couldn't solve Jonathan Quick in Los Angeles the other night, and that does not add up to a good formula right here as the Kings were beaten two to nothing so what are you seeing right now that we aren't seeing enough of from the Carolina Hurricanes as far as the offense goes mm, that's a good question uh, I mean you look at the last two games and the Hurricanes have managed just just a goal of offense and that's uh, in stark contrast really to the team we saw at the beginning of the season when they were sort of just scoring at will it seems Nothing's coming easy right now for this for this offense, and uh, a part of it is the inability to to make a difference on the power play. Yeah. Uh, and when when you go 0 for six in one game, and and then have 91 was, seconds, yeah, 91 seconds of a five on three advantage uh, in a scoreless hockey game in the third period of the next, and and both times really the, the man advantage fails to to really make a difference and 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 get the Canes on the board. Uh, that's a problem. And and I don't know if that that affects the five on five play at all. Uh, but the Hurricanes could certainly use uh, something from the man advantage at this point. I think there there is a spillover. I think everything kind of bleeds over into everything else. If you're going good on five on five. Power play probably moves a little bit better if you're not getting the chances or you're not getting the goals five on five. Then you start pressing even more on the power play to try to get some goals. I do think it's going to lead to some changes for what this team is going to have to do in order to generate some offense. And when I say changes, I don't know if that'll be in the schemes of how they're drawing up the power play or the personnel that they put on it as it stands right now. But, you know, that was a frustrating game to watch last night in Los Angeles because they started the game on time. You know, we hear that phrase a lot, so let's go with your cliche here in California. That's the thing that I like. They, they got to their game early. They did what they wanted to do, but then it kind of turned into, all right, we're not getting goals. You kind of press a little bit more. You get caught up. You know the Kings are going to find some of their game. And, you know, again, it's one of these things where how did the game get lost? It wasn't because the Kings were necessarily outplayed by Los Angeles, but you have a breakdown, and, it ended up in the back of the net. And, and I, I feel terrible for Peter Morazic, who makes his first start in over a month after a lower body injury. And that was a, a classic pitcher's duel. Well, you know, he and Jonathan Quick were just going yeah. save for save in that game until that moment that Alec Martinez puts one in. It was kind of an unexpected goaltender's duel because you have Jonathan Quick, who's who's struggled this season. Had Injuries. A, what, yeah. 861 save percentage, yeah, I think, heading into the game? above four, and he was 0-4-1 on the season. Yeah, hadn't won all season. And then you have Peter Morazic, where – you know, he hasn't started in, in just over a month. You're not really sure what to expect in his first game back from injury, but he looked like he was uh, at peak performance. Oh, really. yeah. I mean, he, he was very sharp, uh, very responsive, very reactive. 
uh, and his saves and, and, and gave the Canes a chance. I mean, obviously you're not going to score when you don't yeah. – or you're not going to win when you don't score a goal. But, but Peter Mrazek – That's a fact, by the way. Yes. Scientific fact. Yeah, that's, it's proven. You can check it. Uh, but Peter Mrazek did, did all he could to, to keep the Hurricanes. You can't even tie if you don't score a goal. You used to be able that's to tie, true. and now it's – you're going to get an L. Yeah. You at least get a point then. Yeah. And that's what the Hurricanes would have hoped for uh, last night. Sunday night in Los Angeles, if you're listening to this, it's December 3rd. Monday here in California uh, and that's what the Hurricanes would have hoped for on Sunday night is is at least a point especially when uh, you get to the point where it's uh, just over two minutes left in regulation uh, a draw in your own zone you fail to win it and the uh, the Kings uh, find a way to, to, to beat Peter Mrazek a, a tough luck loss for the Hurricanes uh, in an otherwise, I, I would say okay performance. I, I wouldn't say one of their best performances. Certainly not one of their worst. Just fine, uh, coming off that that long trip out out west uh, the day prior. And now, what's important here at this practice today is just for the team to get back uh, to the basics, so to speak, and to find a way to to, to get in the win column when they visit a, a a very good San Jose team here on Wednesday. You know, Rod Brindamore told me between the start of the third period and the end of the second intermission, you know, how do you get these goals to go in? And it's funny, you want to play this game fast. That's how the game is played now. But he said, to score goals, you take a breath. And it's not the, oh, we took a breath and let the other team score. You can realize you have a little bit more time to pick a corner, to wait out the goaltender. And you've got some young guys on this team who, Everything is still moving really fast in the offensive end for them. And when they figure it out, the goals are kind of going to really start to pour in for this team. The frustrating thing for me is four goals in the last four games for the Canes, but the previous two to that, nine goals right. in two games right. against good opponents, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they threw their number one, Frederick Anderson, in that game. And then you put four goals up on the Florida Panthers, who were a tough team, and yes, Roberto Luongo didn't finish that game because he left due to injury, but you were facing Roberto Luongo and then James Reimer, and I mean, those are two good goaltenders uh, that you can kind of look at and say, you put, you put goals in on really good teams. I can't explain why the, goal ten, why the goals start to dry up for this team right now. So, and I guess the only real tangible difference in those games versus the last two has been the absence of Michael Furland. Yeah. And what does that say about what he brings to this Canes lineup? Well, first off, uh, I think you look what he does when he gets to the front of the net, and he's got good hands. Like, he's got the ability to deflect some shots and make things happen. One, he also opens up the ice for his line mates when you're talking about Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen. Right. That's what he brings to the party. Right. So he does that. And then the other thing that he does, Michael, and some people will talk about this, is like I had a few people say, oh, really, Michael Furland? I go, yeah, really, Michael Furland, because what that does is it keeps more balance on the lines instead of guys now have to be moved up and moved around for Rod Brindamore to try to find combinations to work. You know, last year – and the year before that, we talked about the TSA line with Tavo Teravine and Sebastian Ajo and Jordan Stahlhaw. That worked. That hasn't really gotten that magic that we've seen over the previous two years. But what Michael Furlan does is everybody gets slotted in their right place. It, it brings more balance to the line. So his absence has really taken the Canes' lines out of balance. And we can talk about who's playing at center, who's playing on the wing. But I think that's where you really are missing what Michael Furlan brings to the team. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we found out 
the offense wasn't just because he was playing with Johnny Gaudreau and, and uh, Monaghan. It's he's a guy who can open up space, and if you give him the puck, he's good enough to do things with it that create good things offensively. He can finish. He can finish, and that's what the Hurricanes are, are missing right now. Uh, they have the lowest shooting percentage in the league, and they're missing uh, a guy like Furland who is, has shown when he gets to those areas uh, on the ice that, that he can finish. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, the Hurricanes are going to be without him at least for, it seems, a couple more games because he is not on this trip. Yeah. Uh, with the team obviously not at practice today uh, as he recovers from uh, a concussion. So the Hurricanes are going to have to figure out uh, where to find that offense here uh, in the the last two games of this road trip before getting back to Raleigh. It's got to come with what you just said. It's got to come with the power play. That's where it has to start happening. And, you know, we put a lot of focus on the forwards, but the blue line can chip in with a couple of goals here and there, especially on the man advantage. You know, get the shots through. And, you know, it'd be great for goals, but get the shots through and, and cause second or third chances where you can get a, a greasy goal, something that's crunchy that needs to just find its way to the back of the net. And, you know, today's game, everybody loves to highlight real goals that we see, but I would venture that 70% of the goals in this league are ugly. That, that's just how they're scored. That's just right. how you have to do it. And speaking of uh, injuries and injury updates, of course, Hayden Fleury returning uh, to the lineup last night after missing a couple of uh, games with a concussion. Brett Pesci is on the trip. Not sure I see him on the ice today. I I don't know if I'm just missing him, Uh, but he's nursing a a lower body injury. Uh, But he is getting closer to a return uh, and has skated with the team the last few days. Took warm-ups last night, actually, in Los Angeles. Getting closer, but obviously not yet ready to, to, to get back into the lineup. Um, and that's where the Hurricanes stand injury-wise. Uh, yeah. Michael Furlan, the, the, the biggest, the most notable injury at this point um, uh, with the way that affects the Hurricanes' offense. But some more roster news got, got cleared up late last week when the Hurricanes uh, placed both forward Valentin Zikov and goaltender Scott Darling yeah. on waivers with the purpose of reassigning them to Charlotte. One of them made it, one of them didn't. Yep. Valentin Zikov claimed off waivers by the Edmonton Oilers, and Scott Darling has uh, since started twice for the Charlotte Checkers in, uh, in their weekend set. They played uh, twice against Providence and once against Hartford. Uh, Scott Darling in net for the most recent uh, victory over Providence, I believe it was in overtime yep. uh, yesterday. So, I mean, again, when people are going to talk about waivers and the purpose of doing that and why would you put Valentin Zikoff on waivers because, well, one, he, he had to play, so you're hoping that he gets through. But, two, yes, he did score 33 goals in the AHL last year, and when you try to send a guy like that down, some teams that are having problems offensively are going to take a look at that. So I'm not surprised he was claimed. I'm not surprised that the Edmonton Oilers took him because he can score goals. They have problems with that. Uh, and he's going to be a guy, I don't know if he's going to slot with Connor McDavid or whatnot, but, you know, it stinks that you lose him. But now somebody else from Charlotte's going to get an opportunity, be it Yanni Kokinen, be it uh, Martin Nachos, if he's going to get another opportunity back here with the club and soon because they've moved him out to the wing, and that seems to be working very well offensively for him. So we'll see who gets that chance, who's going to get the opportunity to come up here and and you know, make a, a difference if you need some offense because people are looking for these answers. Where is it going to come from? And for Scott Darling, you know, go down to Charlotte and do exactly what he did. Go get a win. Go build wins. Build your game back up. And, you know, you get to a point 
there's still a lot of time left in this season. I, I hate to do this, but you need to have goaltender depth, and it goes more than just your one and two on your NHL roster. So we'll see. I'm fairly certain if Scott Darling can put together a, a nice stretch with Charlotte, there'll be an opportunity somewhere down the line for him to get back in the NHL. So, But he's got to make the most of it. He's got to go down there, and he's got to do the things that he needs to do to show the organization, show the, the team that – he's going to get another shot back up here. So. Yeah, a couple things to break down with, with those two moves because those were the, the biggest moves of the last week since, yeah. we, since we last talked to you. Uh, the thing with Zikov, uh, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to see him if he ended up back on waivers in a couple yeah. of weeks because they, this is the thing that happens with, the, with these types of forwards. You look at when the Hurricanes claim Ty Reddy. They yeah. thought he might be able to come in, you know, a, a high draft pick might be able to come in, provide some offense. It didn't happen. Nope. Uh, they placed him back on waivers, and he ends up back in St. Louis. Obviously, now with with the Edmonton Oilers, funny enough, but Marty Furk. Yeah, uh, same exact situation. Like uh, the waivers exist for a reason, right? And uh, players end up on waivers for a reason. And then Edmonton Oilers saw uh, a young kid who led the AHL in scoring last year, and, and figured they'd take a flyer on him. But it doesn't mean the Hurricanes. Uh, I can't reacquire him no. uh, at some point. Uh, but it, it, doesn't it, wasn't, even mean, it doesn't even mean that the Hurricanes don't like him as a player. Right. But for whatever reason, it didn't work in the 13 games that he played here this season. Uh, he came up late last season yeah. and, and had some early success before trailing off in the final five to ten games of the season. Uh, but this year I had just three points in 13 games. And for a guy who scored 17 goals, 17 of his 33 goals last season on the power play in yeah. Charlotte, he wasn't making a difference on the power play. And, and, and to be fair, the, the Hurricanes power play early in the season wasn't making a difference, yeah. period. So I'm not, you know, I'm not putting that all on his shoulders, but he wasn't making a difference on the power play. He wasn't seeing the ice time that uh, perhaps he needed to in order to be successful, at least at this level. In, in the AHL, he was playing in, in all situations. So the Hurricanes saw fit, uh, best fit, that, that he go on waivers. And if he cleared, he would have joined Charlotte and made an offensive impact yep. there. And, and now he gets a chance to, to take a crack at, at the NHL uh, again. So... Um, that's that's really the what it comes down to with that move. And then, as you mentioned with Scott Darling, yep. finally the question of of what the Hurricanes were going to do with three goaltenders is is answered. Yeah. Uh, I know we, I think head coach Rod Brindamore had sort of <laughs> gotten tired of us asking about yep. you know what was going to happen with that, and uh, it was a situation that was that had to play itself out because you just it wasn't sustainable. No. And we had talked about how it wasn't sustainable and. Um, and the Hurricanes chose to go the route of, of going with Curtis McElhaney and Peter Mrazek to a situation that if you would have said, if you would have, you know, approached us in, in May and told us that uh, at the 1st of December, the Hurricanes would have Peter Mrazek and, and Curtis McElhaney as their goaltending duo, it would have sounded a bit far-fetched. But uh, Curtis McElhaney came in and played, he played his way onto the team. And there was not, there was uh, no circumstance in which you wouldn't have him be one of your two goaltenders. And that's just how good he was. This, the four consecutive starts that he won in the second half of November were, were excellent. He, he played out of his mind. Yep. So he earned himself a spot on this team. And then the Hurricanes saw enough from Mrazek early in the season that they were comfortable uh, going with him 
to complete the tandem. And and sure enough, you know, he he comes up with a big performance in L.A. on Sunday night. So and hopefully he can keep building from from that. And so then you're left with Darling, and really the only situation then is uh, trade or, or send to Charlotte. Yeah. And the Hurricanes chose to place him on waivers. Obviously, nobody picks him up, so he goes to Charlotte, where he looks like he'll be splitting some time with Alex and Delkovich and Nett, um, where, as you said, he can potentially rebuild his game and potentially work his way back into the NHL. Rod Brindamore saying the other day, yep. He doesn't think his days in the NHL are numbered, whether it's here or elsewhere. Yeah. But he's got to go down there and, and reestablish his game. Well, the other part of that, too, and the head coach talked about this, at some point when you carry three goalies, it's not fair to all three of them because practice time, somebody's not getting enough. You know, they're getting the, the short shrift on, you know, shots that they're going to see, preparedness if you need them to be there. Uh, and then you know, let's just be honest on this as you kind of laid it out. You look at the month of November that Curtis McElhaney had, where he was 4-1-1. One, and one. He was one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League in the month of November. Mm-hmm. They liked what they saw out of Peter Morazic's game in October. And while the numbers, the wins might not have been there, he was that guy who was, when they needed a big save, was making big saves in the games we saw him play, keeping them in it. And this is not, I don't think, unfair to Scott Darling, but it's just funny to me because for years we've always heard the numbers or the this or the that about the goaltending, Scott Darling's numbers are the ones that you look at and say, okay, which one of these three are you going to send down? And, and that's why it happened. And look, if you would have waived Curtis McElhaney, somebody would have scooped him up, you know, the, the second he hit waivers, the way he played in November. So it just became and literally, literally it was a numbers game. Yeah, yeah. It was the how they were producing, what they were doing, and you can talk about the team playing different with a guy behind him, and I do think that there's something to that because Curtis McElhaney brings a certain calmness to this team. The players have said it over and over and over again. So it's just a situation where a move needed to be made, a move was made, and that's where we are. Yeah, it was arguably a numbers game with Zikov too, who uh, even when he was healthy uh, wasn't able to, to, to crack the lineup, spent a couple of weeks down uh, in Charlotte on a conditioning stint, and just, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't seeing the playing time here. Yeah. So a numbers game all around, and the Hurricanes uh, figure out what to do with those numbers to, to get down to where they need to be. Uh, and, and that's how we, we get to the point where we are here now. And I know you mentioned Martin Achos, and, um, you know, for a team that, that is struggling to score, yep. maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to give him another look especially now that he's been playing on the wing and yep. charlotte for the last couple of weeks yeah we'll see and i think what's up next for this team is you're going to start to see some combinations become a little bit different a few things happening where coach rod brindamore is going to maybe bump up a guy to a spot and give him a little bit more ice time or you know get a, a look differently but these next two games here this week because the next time we'll talk to you It'll be before the Canes take on the Toronto Maple Leafs for a home game. Again. But you've got San Jose and Anaheim coming up. And San Jose haven't really found their game yet, but when they do, I mean, there's just – you look at that roster and you're thinking it'll be scary when it all just falls into place, Michael. So, I mean, I don't know what the the next stop is for the Canes as far as a a win or a loss, but that's not an easy place to go in and try to get points. And then you got to go and play Anaheim again. And we know that John Gibson – is pretty darn good at yes. stopping the puck. We saw that firsthand in Raleigh last week. Yeah, that was another grind of a game where, you know, it was it was going to be one of those 
next goal wins. Uh, and John Gibson was was strong. He was, he was very strong in that. And, uh, I expect him to, to be much the same here uh, when the Hurricanes uh, face off with the Anaheim Ducks for the second time in, what, just, uh, just a week. Yeah, exactly. We've had a lot of these with the Canes. It's coming up with Montreal. Got to go yep. back to Montreal again. Toronto again. So get to see Toronto again at home. So uh, This time with a certain player on their roster. Yeah, I'm just glad that that saga is over. So, we like, fans would ask, you know, why we might not answer those questions because it's it's pointless well, it's pointless to answer them ahead of time when not only it's pointless i'm going to throw this out there okay if, again for people who are listening and i'm not going to go on a rant <laughs> the webs michael smith and i are team employees so we can't exactly sit here and say yeah we know that because one what's the motto of the show we don't know anything and, and they, don't they don't tell, tell us, us anything and that's true too but two for us to sit here and do the speculation on, oh, William Nylander is going to go in. Look, we see the rumors. We know that. We know they're just that. Right. So, you know, would it be something if it made sense? Look, we all knew that the Kings were looking at it and trying to do something that made sense. Well, and, of course, Toronto was fielding offers from teams. They would have been foolish not to. But that's one of those things where just because people look at it and say, well, here's A and here's B, so, so we got to add them together and it's going to – Clearly equals C. C. No, it, it wasn't that situation because in the Nylander case, it was more than just trading an asset for an asset. You had to sign him to a contract once you did that. I mean, he's been holding out with Toronto. We know Toronto has, in the words of Forrest Gump, more money than Davy Crockett. So, they, you know, the money isn't the issue for them. It was making a contract that fit with a salary cap. Right. Yes, the Carolina Hurricanes have a lot of salary cap space right now, but they also have a lot of players who are coming up for contracts soon. Most notably, Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravainen, Michael Furland. These are all guys who are going to get some kind of money for the way that they've played, in particular for this organization, who you're going to build around. So now if you add a William Nylander into that, all right, what does that do? How does that throw off the contract structure that you want to put in the future? There, it's, it's just no longer – it's not a video game anymore. Oh, I want that guy, so I'm going to trade these two players – and bring him in, and then I'll figure out the salary cap after. It's there's so many moving parts to these things. I'm just and glad again, it's over. In? I'm just glad it's everybody over. in the hockey world is glad it's over. Yeah, but you know the funny thing, it's not, because now it's going to turn into what do the Leafs have to do now to fit in Austin Matthews? Now that's you their start problem. That rumor? Nope, that's their problem. Okay, all we right, we can start it. Well, we do have some questions to get to. We do have some questions to get to. Uh, we also have a few other things to get to. Do you have what what we're looking for? Yeah, I thought about it earlier today because uh, you called me out on Twitter last week, I think it was, that I wouldn't have one before the end of the year. I'm going to have one right now. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. And mine, uh, relating to something we, ooh, (laughs) relating to something we had just talked about. All right, you have to to share that. Forget it. uh, What's the ooh right here? That Warren Fogle was just spilled to the ice by a... Trevor Van Riemsdyk. They're doing the, uh, this is one of my favorite drills, the little two-on-two in the neutral zone with the nets moved up to the blue line. And it's constant motion. It's constant motion. Not a lot of room to move. You got to get creative sometimes. Working in the tight areas, in the dirty areas. (laughs) And sometimes things like that happen. Exactly. By the way, it's good to see that too. (laughs) I'm somebody who is, uh, I'm, I'm okay with a little, 
let's get a little bit uh, rough here if we have to. And by the way, you were asking if Brett Pesci was on the ice. Yes, he is. He's right over there. So oh, from earlier in the oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, there he is. See? Brett we, Pesci is on the ice. Everybody. To quote Tony Bruno, we question the answers and answer the questions. He's working his way back from a lower body injury. Back to what we were talking about before. This relates to, to something uh, that we had talked about uh, previously. Yeah. You have a... Yes, all right. I do. Get to uh, it. Martin Nichas is going to be back with the Hurricanes before the end of the year. And by year, I mean calendar year 2018. Say, like December 31st yeah. is what you're talking yes, about. Yes, exactly. I'm going to take it. Okay. I think we're going to see him. I think we're going to see him. I don't know if he, if it's a, a full-time thing, but I think we're going to see him. Uh, it is dependent upon the offense and the production that the Canes get, and I think that these next two games really are important for that. But I think that we are going to see him back up here in a Canes uniform. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. All right. Uh, the one that I have for you, and it goes to the goaltending situation, and I know that we were just talking about Scott Darling's not done, but if there are no injuries, this is the goaltending duo that we're going to see for the rest of the season for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep, I'll, I'll take that. I will take that because – and let's hope there are no more injuries yes. because the, the first couple of months of the season has been very uh, – there's been a lot of question marks. Um, and it was already a question mark coming into the season, uh, the goaltending duo, and then to have injuries, especially for, for Scott Darling, who had a, a good preseason and then in that, that last game suffered an injury. And then obviously Peter Mrazek going down with injury after a, a solid October. Let's hope we don't have any more injuries. But, yeah, but yeah I, I think uh, these two are going to ride out the season. Uh, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a 1A, 1B situation i don't know if it's a one-two situation um but i think the hurricanes might just ride whoever has the hot hand and f luckily for them right now it's it's kind of both of them they're, they're both playing well uh, and they both deserve to to see some time in between the pipes so uh, it's a good situation for for them to have right now two goaltenders playing well yep. uh, and 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 battling for for time in the crease all right well we're gonna have a, a very special guest this was not uh pre-planned but folks wanted this and we're going to deliver it because on the broadcast the other night in los angeles i don't know if uh, people had seen this or not but uh, i had a uh, an, an incident well i was going to say an intimate incident well an, an intimate moment if you will with bailey the mascot for the la kings who was trying to throw me off my game and uh, i would like the world to know that i stayed laser-like focused as much as I could, but then afterwards, you know, Bailey, you know, comes across the boards and we, we have a, a sweet embrace. And then television play-by-play -play man, the best play-by-play -play voice in sports. Now that we're in Los Angeles, now that Vin Scully has hung up the microphone, is John Forslund. And John- I'm not sure about any of that, but well, okay. Well, it's true. It's okay. on our podcast, so it's gotta be uh, true, It has John. to be accurate, right. First off, welcome to the podcast. It's always a pleasure. It's our yeah. pleasure to have you here, so yeah. that's great. Uh, secondly, we, we found out that you had a, a run-in with a mascot, but of a different First kind. of all, your uh, embrace or interlude, whatever you want to call it. Intimate with, moment is what I believe we're now calling it. It was a little bit too warm for me. Well, first off, it was 1030 at night on the East Coast. We were totally what good I mean. to go and, and make that happen. Yeah. So okay. We were, well, we were in the safe harbor zone, John. Let's go back to our college day uh, studying well, broadcasting. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want, but it looked uh, pretty hey, passionate to me. Hey, John, we're in the TV business 
We are. We got to get some eyeballs, okay, don't good. we? <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad we, we've established that now. That's exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Hey, I think we found out, and uh, I'll call out Jim Malia, our uh, producer. Yeah. He's, he's telling me I've got to do whatever it takes right now. Is he so, employed today after that? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. but we found out as you are the voice of the Springfield Indians in the AHL. Yes. Uh, going after the Calder Cup. Yes. The version of the Stanley Cup for the AHL. Yes. You had a run-in with. Some Sherbrooke Canadians mascot and some kind of mascot. It got, it got to to violence, John. Well, I, I, I don't know how violent it was. I mean, well, I'll let the listeners understand and interpret whatever they want here. But you got to understand, this was a, a playoff game, right? So this is a heated matchup, the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs in 1990 in a place called the Sherbrooke Sports Palace, which we used to refer to as Palais de Sport. Uh, and a small 3,000-seat rink still still there and um, had about 20 rows of seats all the way around and a little booth at the top of the uh, concourse there. And um, sitting in the booth, and it's in the third period, and we're in a little spot break, which were 45 to 60 seconds at the time. You had just had to plop them in there between stoppages of play, which I did. We go to commercial. While we're in commercial, this thing comes up and sits on the table directly, directly in front of my sight line. I cannot see the rink now because this big orange monster <laughs> is sitting in front of me. And so I uh, nudge him politely. I think from my point of view, it was politely. I nudged him a little bit and asked him to please move. And he turned around and just looked at me and then he would move. And then I nudged him again. He looked around he put his thumbs uh, up near his ears and gave me the old high sign <laughs> and uh, by now the uh, patrons were all excited and yelling some things at me in French and uh, standing up and pointing fingers at me and laughing and so on and well now the game's ready to resume so the game starts they drop the puck I still can't see so I ask him to move again and he gives me the high sign one more time now when he did that <laughs> the last time the people started to stand up and they were in front of me so now I can't see it a, 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 a darn thing, okay, for lack of a better expression. So <laughs> I just resorted to um, my upbringing, possibly, in terms of where I grew up. Uh, Springfield. The hard streets yeah, Spring of Springfield, Springfield Massachusetts. There's one way to settle this one, so I suckered him. I laid him right out. So I gave him a shot in the head, and this thing went flying right into the group of people who were standing in front of me, landed right on his keister. And uh, if mascots have keisters, I believe they do. They do? Okay. I can verify, yeah. And so anyway, the, uh, the security came up, and uh, this was all during the play, and the game continued, and then I met the individual after the game, and we had our pleasantries, and it was all good. So anyway, that's a true story. I can't make that up, I don't think. Because after being out here for days on end. <laughs> we had a question, though. Yes. Which was, what type of mascot it was an did orange, you Happy Gilmore in Quebec? It was a UP, if you're familiar with the Expos and the uh, Canadians, Montreal Canadians, the real Canadians, it, uh, it's similar to that. I, can I, I'm going to be honest. UP's redheaded he's the stepbrother. Most, he's the most annoying mascot. UP? In, in I the think they're all annoying, but, with the exception of Stormy. Exactly. But, like, UP was always the one. Yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. And I just found out doing the research on this as you made the hockey news for it, John. Yes, and 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 it was a great year because there were a few altercations in that building that year, including the great Mike Milbury running up the stairs to attack an organist in the same building during the American Hockey League game. All 1990. That all happened in the year 1990. Wow. Great times by all. Classic stories. Yeah. You got a follow-up, Michael? No. I don't know how you could follow that up. And I did make good with Bailey last night, by the way, via Twitter. So we yeah. went back and forth a little bit, had some fun with it. It's all in fun, but I'm 
I'm worried about Michael now as we move on. And wh who's Sharky's up next? Yeah, yeah, Sharky. Sharky. And, and Sharky, Sharky has been known. Yeah, terrorizes sideline. And has been involved in our show in the past. Yes. With so a few watch of our out. reporters, so yeah. who've gone on to other things. Uh, no, Sharky, my first year. Sharky, you did. and Sharky. Yeah, Sharky came in and okay, bit me on the head. And then does Anaheim have one? Yeah, they got uh, Wild Wing or oh yeah, of course they do. Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. the original Wild yeah, Wild the, Wing. The duck. That's what it is. Yeah, so, the duck propels down I've, from the roof. I have not had any yeah. interaction with the duck. Yeah. I'm not planning on that one. Okay. So. John, thank you for this for the very special guest. Great moments appearance. in hockey history. Exactly. Yeah. This moment in hockey history brought to you by the Springfield Indians and Sherbrooke. We went on to win the Calder Cup that year, so it was all worth it. See, you you fired up the boys. That's what you did. Well, I don't know if the boys and Dean Chenault was on the team. If small world that it is. If the play-by-play -play voice is willing to, you know, play the physical game. I laid him out. You got to. Yeah, I laid them out. You got it. You so can't get out of that. my way. That's just it. See, yeah. like with me, I, I mean, I had the low ground. So I, if you're I tried to attack, a lovable if I, type guy. If I, I well, I, you know, those those days I'm are abrasive at times. Yeah. You know. You know, I'm I'm down there in the trenches. I mean, if I start if I start that war. And again, this was a playoff game, right? Yeah. Third period of a playoff game. Yeah. Oh, third period of the playoff third game. Period oh, of he's got to get that's. Yeah. He had that coming the whole yeah. way. And I was an established American Hockey League veteran by then. That he's, was my sixth season. He's lucky you only got one in on him. I would have. Only took one. Well, the broadcast. You never saw it coming. Well, the broadcast yeah, would have laid him right out. And I followed through with my elbow, so I got a shot oh, in. Oh, you came, and then oh, came, you with came the right elbow, through. That's it. Floored him. Veteran move it's right there. One of the there. oldest tricks in the book. All right. All right. So, kids, if you're listening. Works in the now, Legion you know. Hall. <laughs> okay, I got to go now. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to John Forza. That might be the best story. We might need to stop the podcast after I, this. I don't How do we see top why, that story? I, I don't see why we should continue. Meanwhile, we do have a few more questions to get to, so we'll wrap up those and then get out of here. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm I'm getting embraced by Bailey the Lion, and Bailey gets upset with John on Twitter, and then they make nice. It was just a weird evening all the way around. Well, we are in we are in Los Angeles. We are. Thank you. We've exactly <laughs> we've <laughs> lots of. Yeah. A question from Carolyn Christians uh, eight, uh, at excuse me HM of two on Twitter. Any plans in the works for a dad's or mom's trip this season? There's going to be a dad's trip. Uh, the Hurricanes going to, I believe it's Florida and Dallas. That is right. In the month of February. Uh, it's a weekend trip in February, a Thursday night in South Florida and a, a Saturday night in Dallas. That's the dad's trip this year for the Hurricanes. All right. Uh, this we got two from James Lakey. This one to me. Were you intimidated, Mike, when Dougie Hamilton went guns out for the intermission interview during the Anaheim game? No, I was not. No, I was not. I, I think I, we found that. I think we found that out. That uh, no, I was all right with that. You got to be. Uh, I am. I am prepped for. If we haven't found this out, I think it left some folks enamored. From from furry mascots to shirtless hockey players, I am ready for everything. Yep. Yep. That's my job down there. As and as John often likes to say, I operate in the bowels of the arena. So there you go. Uh, also, regarding the postgame workouts that head coach Rod Brindamore refers to in his locker room talks, are these unique to the Canes, or is this a widespread thing in the NHL? What kind of workout are they doing right after the game? I actually did research on this one, as opposed to you, although you did have a like it, take it today. Uh, I asked, no, I've got some backstory on this as well. But I, asked, I asked strength and conditioning coach Bill Berniston today about that. Uh, he says it depends on if they have a, 
a game the next night if they do. Correct. They do not have workouts. It becomes a recovery post game. But if they don't, uh, at home they can clearly do a lot more than what they do on the road. Right. But it is basically getting on the bikes, getting in a post game lift, just getting your work in and making sure that you keep that momentum going from a game and keep your strength up for the course of the season. He's not sure if every team in the NHL does it, but um, I would venture that the majority of them do right now. Uh, there's a baseline of equipment that the home club has to provide every visiting club for, for post-game workouts. So you are limited in, in what you can do compared to the friendly confines of your own uh, locker room gym, where obviously there's there's way more equipment at your disposal. But, uh, yeah, he does organize something for, for most every game. All right, this from James Thomas, Caniac 1979. What are the Canes' plans to address the lack of scoring? Thanks. Well, field that one there, if you don't <laughs> mind, Michael. Uh, I, I think they. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a decent answer. I, I you know they're gonna have to. Well, they they've been working on uh, shootouts and three on three and all kinds of stuff in today's practice. Look at that silly from Phil right there, a bow and arrow. But I think it's got to come within. Oh, I, by I the mean, way, I, there's a shootout drill going yeah. on now with the Canes between the uh, the skaters and the goalies. Oh! Well, everybody. Justin Williams. Everybody's and scoring And a classic now. celebration right now. Phil I feel did like the, Oprah Winfrey, you get a goal and you get a goal. Phil did the bow and arrow and then and, and Williams responded with, All right. with one likewise. But I think it's got to come from within. I mean, the Hurricanes just have to bury their chances. Yeah, Cameron, the festive fish, kind of asked the same thing. What's the solution the team should look for when it comes to scoring more goals? It's become a hot topic after the last two games. Certainly it has. Also, how festive are y'all going to get for the holidays? Best the festive fish. I'm not a huge holiday person. I'm really not. Because for the majority of my life, I've been working on the holidays. So it's just one of those things where, you know, put up the tree, have, uh, have uh, some time with friends, let them know how much they mean. That's, that's as festive as I get. You seem to be that's more festive, festive than festive. me. You're yeah, put up ham, some decorations. Right? That's, that's your I'll holiday have, uh, tradition. I'll have Christmas ham. Uh, we'll send out a, a holiday card to friends and family. It'll be wonderful. Um, this from Justin Luckett. I think this is for you. Are you locked up in a hotel closet? No, uh, we're no. free. We're out and about. Thank you for that. This one, one from Eric Lundoy. Do any of the Canes drive cool cars? Yeah, there, yeah. there are quite there, a few cool yeah, cars. Lots of them. And that's, you know. And trucks, I've been told. Yeah, cars and trucks. So, There's a Tesla in the mix. I like the Teslas. They're nice. There's a, uh, there's a good BMW as well. Oh, Dougie Hamilton with a ripper. And that ends it. The Red Squad. Gets the W. This has been entertaining. Hopefully it translates to. Uh, and Chris Winter Wonder Wojcik. How do I get to King Taco off of the Pacific Coast Highway? First off, we have Frank Galino here, who, uh, if you don't know, he is now on the broadcast more than I am, which is outstanding. But uh, first off. And, first he, off, and he brought cookies to practice today, and I've eaten at least three of them. First off, from, we are, from where we are, take the 105 to the 110. 110 to the 405 South. Make sure you're on 405 South. Keep going that way towards Long Beach. Stay on the 405, then get off on Long Beach Boulevard, and then you'll be right there. Nash Avenue is what I've been told from Frank. I think the answer to that is just Google it. Well, it's, he was making a playoff, but we put up the Californians on the One last uh, question here from Ethan King on Twitter. Any word on when the Whalers jerseys will be released for sale? It's going to be the middle of the month. 
Uh, it takes Adidas a little while to, to get these into production and, and get them into our hands. Uh, but those jerseys will be on sale middle of the month. Just keep an eye out on uh, the website and on our social media accounts. We'll let you know yep. when, when those are in and, and available for purchase. Also, Nick Coleman, Cow Nick 12, we didn't ignore you. When are we likely to see Podorowski, Kwokinen, or Natos get called up to help solve this scoring drought? We kind of, uh, kind of addressed that during the Canes cast. We hope you were listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. I think that's going to do it. The uh, Hurricanes are wrapping up practice now here at the Sports Center in El Segundo. I left my wallet in El Segundo once. Did you? Yeah, and I had to get it. Got Scots to get it. You don't know that, do you? No. It's a tribe called Quest, Michael. Am I oh. that old? I am that old. Don't yeah. answer that question. <sighs> I'm not, uh, not going to throw down with the mascots on this trip, but now I feel I have to. Like, now I feel I have to punch Sharky. Like, I think I you should. That's what has to happen. Yeah. Let's I mean, do it. Like, must see TV. I'll get revenge for Quint. It's again. It's going to be really late on a Wednesday Just night. Right over your head. Yeah. Revenge for. Did you ever see the movie Jaws? Uh, not enough to get oh, the reference. All right, fine. I try. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so this is a good one. We had some fun times. We did. Maybe. Maybe Drop the best. In guests. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Rip ups. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> An outstanding story from John Forslund. Serious with Michael Smith. And uh, the Canes had a festive practice here at the, where are we, Michael Smith? The Sports Center. Yes. Once again, we're not giving away Don't any give it away for free. But we, uh, we can be had, and I've been had many times. So, with that being said, that'll do it for this edition of the Canes cast, episode 68, John Forslund's <laughs> superior story time. That might, we might have to get that sponsored. Just like, not when you're thinking of it. And uh, we'll go from there. So, all right, that's it for me, the Web's Michael Smith. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.